Anime Pulse, episode 606. another episode of anime pulse i am always is your host is your host are your host did i say that correctly anyways i'm I joseph always ask you. <laughs> yes hello and joseph. that guy over there he's andrew chan hi i'm andrew <laughs> yes he's my co-host in case you didn't mm. know yes <laughs> yes indeed and this week we are back with more news and Reviews for anime from Japan and around the world. But first... Oh, and input from you guys as well, the community. Oh, yes, of course. And and community news as well. We can't forget our community. Very important. Mm -hmm. But before we get to any of that, we got IRL news. Yes. And, so, yes. So, uh, I've been talking a lot, like the first, uh, doing like a lot of firsts. So uh, let's see here. Uh-huh. Is there anything first for me this week? Mm, not really. Oh, I finished. Uh, I wrapped up my playing of uh, Borderlands Game of the Year edition. I'm all done uh-huh. with that. I believe last time I mentioned how I mostly was all done with the game and I was just working on achievements. I'm done with those achievements. They were annoying to get, especially Moxie's Underdome bullshit. Fuck those large challenges she has. Just like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll buff the enemy, give them stronger shields, make them run around faster, and also make them more dodgy. Thanks, mm-hmm. Moxie, you cunt. Fucking, Mm -hmm. that shit makes rounds and uh, waves just last for fucking ever. But I got Uh through it all, and I stood tall and did it my way, and uh, I'm done. (laughs) All done with Borderlands Game of the Year Edition. I have taken it off of my Xbox, and I have reinstalled Borderlands 2 and Borderlands, the pre-sequel. One, because I am missing achievements in the pre-sequel. Uh, two of them, to be exact. Uh, Space Lord, which is reaching level 50, which I'm almost there with my uh, my uh, Jack's lover character, who is uh, the lawbreaker. Hottest girl in Borderlands yet. Is she? Oh, oh yeah. yeah she's super hot. You kill her in Borderlands 2, unfortunately, but mm, oh. she's hot. She's like a cowgirl. And uh-huh. uh, some of her, like, her heads that you can swap out, like, choice. Choice, Borderlands. Choice. Um, also, like, her melee attack is a whip, so. Nice. Oh. Yep, yeah, so here. Mm-hmm. 
I know. I was, I was just like hearing crickets in the background. Like anyone else? Anyone else agree with me? No, no one. Oh, likes the- sorry. I, I've, I have no experience with Borderlands, so I'm kind of the wrong person to go to with this. Oh no, so. I'm just making a joke about being hit with a whip. Oh, I see. I see. This was the joke, and this was your head. <laughs> <laughs> went all the way over. Yep. Uh. The other reason I have Borderlands 2 installed, though, because I have the Handsome Jack collection, <clears throat> is because they are releasing new DLC for Borderlands uh-huh. 2, in case people out there didn't know. It's been all but confirmed at this point. Um, Steam had a leak of it where it's called Commander Lilith something or another. Uh, basically, it is a DLC that is going to be bridging the gap between Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3 and explaining why you are no longer on the flying city of Haven and you are now, or Sanctuary, you are now on Sanctuary 3, which is a spaceship in space, which is all stuff that's already been revealed for Borderlands 3. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's okay. pretty neato. I'm looking forward to playing it. Um,. Yeah, it's been about it. I, I took a three-day weekend because uh, my uh, car needed an inspection, so it's been inspected. And I went for a walk yesterday. Felt great. Great weather we're having here right now. Beautiful outside. Kind of buggy. Kind of got a lot of pollen, especially like the fucking cotton pollen. It's goddamn everywhere. It's like it's snowing outside. But... oh. Yeah, that's how bad it gets here. Like, you'll be driving down the street, and you're just like, what the fuck is that? Ah! Driving through, like, a snowstorm of this cotton pollen. <laughs> Ugh. And, of course, also, I uh, where I work, there's a lot of pine pollen, which is this yellow shit that, like, you come out to your car, and it uh-huh. just looks like someone dandered their yellow uh-huh. pollen all over your car. It's fucking uh-huh. gross. Yeah. And it also is terrible for the sinuses. So all those people out there with asthma or allergies, I feel for you because I think I'm yeah. starting to get allergies in my old age. Yeah, it's, it's it actually can happen where it develops over time in people as well. But you've been fortunate enough to not have it so far. So hopefully it keeps on going. Indeed. But I do believe that actually does it for all of my IRL news. Really not much going on for me this past week. How about, uh, really short. How about yourself? Um, yeah, you could sum up mine in about the same amount of words. <clears throat> actually, well, With that same statement, actually. I mean, ah. uh, there's not really much of note to actually comment on. It's just another regular week of work. Just planning holidays and shit. And just... Getting on, getting on with it. But speaking of getting on with it, I'll just I'll just move on to the community stuff because that's okay. hopefully got a little bit more activity there, which actually it doesn't. This might be a really short show. Uh, we have one new comment, and it's like a one line <laughs> long. It's uh, it's on episode six hundred five, previous part five, by Margie B, who says that Ari that Araya show is much is as much of an anime as Akisora is one. I think we must have gotten into some conversation about what makes an anime and what isn't an anime, or what mm-hmm. was made in Japan or something. I can't, I don't even know what Araya is at this point. It's Araya. been too far back. But uh, there you go. He considers Araya to be as much of an anime as Akisora. Hmm. Sure. I guess so. Anyways. Oh, wait. Maybe he, oh. it's the backwashing anime. I think that's what that was. 
Akisora is no the, the other one. one. Aria. Aria is the backwashing one. Yes, as I much think of an anime as Akisora. Yeah, so he's saying basically like they're both just hentai. Oh, it's Akisora hate show. Oh yeah, Akisora is the one about the uh, about the brother and the sister who have like the white hair and they move to like the other town. They both fuck each other oh. all the time. Oh. Okay, okay, right, okay. So he's saying it's as much, okay. I get you, I got you now, sorry. It's a good thing that you were able to find out what he was talking about, because like, I would never have figured that out otherwise. Oh, I just kept thinking about it, and I was like, well, Akisora is basically hentai. What's basically hentai? Right, that backwashing one. We were talking about that lately. I'm like Detective yeah. Sherlock, motherfucker. Yeah, oh, pretty good. It's like a, there should be like a visualization of you in a mansion in your mind going through the doors to figure out the, the true mystery. He'll come at me with a left Listen. hook, but I'll... Return the favor with the right. <laughs> oh yeah, when he dissects the the way the other guy fights and how he'll win during yeah. the heat of the moment. Oh That's, god, I, lo- I love moment. I love that like that when we are watching that in the movies and like uh-huh. like you know where he starts going into it and everyone's like you know they're just like oh, okay we've seen this before but then like uh, Moriarty's like two can play that game bitch and everyone's like oh shit <laughs> it's that was, was pretty that good the- oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've never seen that, uh, the Sherlock Holmes with uh, Robert Downey Jr. where Moriarty starts going through oh, his, that... like, his own mind think... thing where it's like, I'll follow up with you. I think that happens in the sequel, Game of Shadows. I yes. didn't watch Game of Shadows. I didn't oh, watch Game of Shadows. I saw the first one. It's so good, especially that scene where they're just, like, staring at each other. Nothing's actually happening, but they're both just like, well, I'll follow I'm up thinking. and put pressure to your wound. Ah, there's the old buddy from... Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like when Light and L play tennis, and it's they're just playing tennis, but they're thinking about everything that there's that's going on and what they're gonna do afterwards. Like, I'm gonna become your friend, and then I'm going to invite you to have a meal. This is a social <laughs> blah, blah blah. It's like they're playing tennis for God's sake, and they're thinking about all this. But yeah, so yeah, that's the only comment. Thank you very much for that. Um, moving on to the forums, we have one new post on the forums. It's by Margie B on the last one for anime that grew on you, and he says. Or she. I don't actually know Margie gender. Uh, Steinsgate. Steinsgate had a strong beginning, but then slowed down almost immediately. I seriously considered dropping five episodes in. It grew on me... Uh, no, it growing on me would be an understatement because after a certain episode, it basically exploded in me. Steinsgate... Oh, burped during while I was talking. Steinsgate is easily my favourite anime. That's, you got some good taste. Bakano is another one that comes to mind. The unconventional storytelling threw me off at the beginning. But as the scramble pieces started to form a coherent picture, it grew on me bit by bit. One of the few shows that I preferred dubbed. Chunibyo is one that took a while for me to appreciate. I actually mm. dropped it at, at least three times. I don't really like slice of life and romance shows that progress as fast as a snail on a treadmill. <laughs> but the memes had me coming back until I finished it. I liked it for what it was. Also, it was cute as fuck. That's Kyoto Animation's specialty, by the way. Uh, the last one is Gintama. This is an easy one. The uh, watched anime I watched. The watched anime I watched. The more reference you mean the more an the more episodes I watched, the more references I got. Yeah, no, the more anime I watched. Oh fucking hell! I, you just confused me and threw me off. Well done, <laughs> well played, Margie B. But I will get you back somehow. Then we come to this week's uh. Newest forum topic, which is the inverse anime that you grew out of over time. And we have one post on that as well by Rampant AI. 
It says, I can only think of one, although I'm certain there are others if I think a little longer. I first became a big fan of anime when I saw Macross slash Robotech way back when. Also, I like uh, also like the Battletech, the tabletop RPG as well. But years later, I kind of fell out with the genre of giant mecha. I tried to get into Macross Plus and other subsequent series, and just got quickly bored. And the Gundam craze never grabbed me as a result either. It's not like I do not like mecha anime, quite the contrary. But a few giant robo series uh, ever grabbed me since. Oh, but few giant robo series ever grabbed me since. I can blame it upon learning too much about actual robotics in college. However, I did enjoy the SSS. S. Gridman series recently, that's the Ultraman kind of referential one, as it either avoided a lot of the bad tropes or hung a lampshade on them. My taste in media has matured to where I appreciate good characters and storylines. The tech is just the icing on the cake. So there you go. There's screw over. He couldn't get into some uh, a variety of mecha shows, including <laughs> Gundam. But yeah, thanks for the answer there, Rampant. Um, we'll probably get more as for next week. But until then, we can move over to our resident host here. Joseph, what's your, uh, what anime have you fell out of favor with? Oh, I got three uh, okay. came to mind. Uh, number one, Pokemon. Just, oh, oh yeah. I still play the games, which I do still enjoy the games, but I'm probably not going to play any more of them because I don't have a Switch and I'm not going to buy one. Uh, Switches are overpriced, and all they are is just handheld consoles. I already have a 3DS, and they're not going to release the next Pokemon game for the 3DS, so fuck me. I guess I'm not playing the next Pokemon, which is fine thus far because Pokemon Sword and Shield look like they have really derpy-looking legendaries. Uh, Graphics look nice, but uh, games themselves look kind of douchey. Although they have introduced us to a new thought, the uh, assistant to... uh, to the new Pokemon professor, who again is oh, yeah. another another hottie, but uh, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, for the anime, it it doesn't do anything for me. The whole friendship, uh-huh. you know, will friendship will get us wherever we need to go. Thing is just not doing it for me anymore. Ash not growing any older is definitely not doing it for me. Um, yeah. It's really unrealistic, plus Ash is also a terrible Pokemon trainer because he wins (laughs) maybe three of the badges he's ever gotten, and the rest of them, people just give it to him because he's like, shows him like, this is a friendship I have with my Pokemon, believe it! And then the gym leader's like, oh my god, it's so beautiful, here's a badge. Yeah, they got particularly bad with that in Kanto. It's kind of mm-hmm. one of those things where at least, at least, I, mean, I don't think this would be a spoiler at this point, at least he doesn't actually win the Canto League with that. Yeah. But then again, I don't really remember him winning any, you know, any significant league anyway since. He doesn't. He doesn't really ever do anything significant himself. Red is the better trainer. Totally. When it comes to like... Oh, you mean in canon? You mean the games? Oh one? yeah, the, in canon when it comes to like the games, Red is the top boss. Yeah, because uh, he actually in you know he in canon he beat the catches Mewtwo, and then, and then he went to retire in the mountains and live in Mount Silver for some reason. Yep, and then you just go and but, find him every now and then. It's like, oh look, it's Red, and he shows up in Pokemon. Yeah, uh, Red and uh, Green show up again, right? Not Green. Um, or is it Green? Uh, 
It's it's green if you're from Japan, it's blue if you're from the West. Right. Basically Gary. Yeah, um, Gary. Yeah, Gary shows up with uh, red and red and we're all like, Oh red is so cool and it's like he's wearing booty shorts. Oh no, red, what did you do to yourself? Yeah. Maybe I'm growing out of the game too. God damn. Possibly. Don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, Naruto, that's another one. I was oh, yeah. done with that one maybe like three quarters of the way through the whole first thing with Naruto. Um, uh-huh. After he like returns back to the village and is older and Hinata's gotten older. and you know, I was happy to see that he got married to Hinata and she persevered and whatnot. Which Yeah. Which which was nice because, you know, she was like the only childhood friend scenario who's like, you know, I was the short-haired girl with giant tits who is in love with the protagonist. I'm never going to win. Ow, she wins. Nice. Although she only won because she grew her hair out. You think so? <laughs> well, I mean, if you see when he comes back and it's like, oh, her hair's longer. Suddenly everyone likes Hinata a lot more. I wonder why. Hmm. Uh, it's probably other reasons too, but yeah, you know, <laughs> possibly. She, yeah, she was uh, a good girl. I liked the ending, but then Boruto yeah. happened, and I was just like, nope, 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 nope. Uh, you can stop there. I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, it it kind of devolved in the same way where it's like it regressed. I mean, where it's like now it's kind of went back to being a bit more like of a like a kids show sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, I would have liked it if yeah. it had just been you know not as nearly as serious as Naruto was trying to be. You know, yeah. it, it was more like if like Boruto had been like slice of life, like, oh, living in the village and like, re, you know, reintroducing old faces that Boruto interacts with. And it's like, look, it's the person my father once met, like in episode 197 and the first two hours, like he's back and he's more powerful. Like that. Yeah, they, that'd be interesting. But no, they didn't do those. That. Are, those just... are some of the most actual favorite moments of Boruto because there's been bits where people said it got really good, yeah. which were which were like bits where Sasuke and, and Naruto, you know, unite together and fight. Yeah, you know, it's like, whoa, this is so cool. I mean, you know, because literally Naruto and Sasuke defeated the fucking moon, the moon. Yeah, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, Boruto's gonna have his own adventures. Okay, what the fuck is Boruto gonna do? Is he gonna fight the goddamn <laughs> universe? Not just the moon. He actually also, in one of the movies, Naruto fought on the moon as well, which was uh, interesting. He actually yeah, went the level to space. of technology in that series was back and forth. It's strange because they, they do have screens. They do have walkie-talkies even from episode four or something. They have walkie-talkies and they've got screens, but they don't really have electricity or industrial. Actually, they have steam trains. Eh, it's so weird. Fuck it. I guess yeah. we have ninja magic. It they kind have of, cars too. Yeah. Do they have cars? Yeah, they oh, have yeah, cars. They, do. they actually have cars. That's so fucking... Oh, wow. When you have ninja magic, it really does change the way you develop <laughs> technology, I suppose. Exactly. So. Um, and uh, kind of in agreement with um, with uh, Rampant uh, is Gundam. Yeah, I, Gundam. Oh. I loved Gundam Wing when I was a kid. Absolutely epic. I played the shit out of a lot of Gundam games. It's so much fun. Um, uh-huh. You know, Toonami was my go-to place, and a lot of what they did was Gundam. You know, giant robots. That was awesome. But, you know, as I got older, Gundam lost interest. I lost more and more interest in Gundam, and then they did, like, Gundam model battling, and, and you know, just in, 
And then they did like that Gundam where they were like, we're going back to the old school Gundams. And I was like, oh boy, exciting. And then like episode two was just poop humor. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. guess I'm not watching Gundam anymore. So, yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, nothing will ever be as epic in Gundam where... Was it Hiro uh-huh. who was like using Gundam Wing to like shoot and blast away like the bunker that had like the retarded princess hanging out in or you know like Oh yeah 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 I, I know movie? the one you're talking about. Yeah and like he that just like keeps, he, he yeah. keeps firing it over and over again to the point his Gundam is fucking disintegrating and it's like that's so fucking epic. Yeah. Wing was like the only Gundam that I actually watched all the way to the end. So and that's the first Gundam I watched, so I, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that that would definitely be like a couple, a few anime I've grown, I've okay. grown out of, and probably will never return to. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I will just list two for now. One of them's the obvious one that was in the GIF itself, which was Sword Art Online. Um, mm. and maybe I'm going for a fairly obvious pick here because I bet a lot of people can probably relate to this. Well, I agree too. You, I definitely agree. Yeah, you really got. Yeah, I really got into the whole opening scenario with the mm-hmm. Ironclad arc when he's getting oh, tucked into the game. Oh, good. And you know, it was pretty epic. It, you know, I I still watch the opening sometimes, and I get some like, oh wow, there were some really good moments in it. And oh, his just, fights you know, against like the red eyes. Oh, so yeah, good. Yeah. Uh huh. And, you know, it's not like it was perfect or anything. There are still some, like, weird plot contrivances and pacing issues with it. But it was still really good for what it was. I think it's... I don't think... I think the hate for it has also been kind of overblown. But uh, that's just my opinion on that. But, yeah, so once once we finished, though, that, that arc, it was, like, a steady and slow decline when it got to, like, part two of season one. And it really felt like the writer didn't know what to do. So we go into another game... And he, he went he went through some really strange decisions where it's like okay let's let's try and keep them interested by making one of the most interesting characters or one of the more liked characters should I say from season one just imprisoned for the entire time we introduce an incest narrative to it and um, we put him in this game that has like you know. Uh, this other sort of uh, political guild battles going on that we don't care about, and Kirito just snaps in and out of being in a rush or wanting to immediately go to save Asuna. It's mm-hmm. weird. And then it, it finally jumps the shark in the infamous scene from that gift there in which um, basically Asuna gets assaulted by the main antagonist of that uh, arc. And it's just a very overblown, drawn-out scene that is just... it's Oh my god, it's terrible, man. It... I don't think there's a single person I've heard that actually likes it, obviously, because it's just delivered in a very gross way that doesn't feel like it's it's earned narratively either. Nope. So, yeah, it's it's bad. And this was actually a few episodes after they already also had another pointless scene of Asuna getting assaulted by tentacle slots. Oh, yeah, the tentacle scientist dudes. <laughs> yeah, so it's just... They were just making a bunch of decisions back then where, like, they dropped it halfway through season one. Is that, like, remember you know, when cause... she was a strong female lead? Well, now she's just the princess in the castle getting raped. Literally, it's just oh my god, yeah, and and it also like it, it hints as to part of uh, the writer uh, Kawahara's sort of um, 
tendencies later on to basically just make the bad guys, the main antagonists, be these really creepy, rapey guys. Oh yeah, doesn't um, that happen? Like, wasn't there a scene recently in like that new season that came Alicization? out? Where, yeah. yeah, where like the yeah. blonde chicks getting raped or something, and like they have like a deflowering like scene that. where they show like the flower falling off the petal, and it's like, yes, that, like, what? That, that, that's, Why? Yeah, something like that happens, and then even one of the main antagonists in season two is also a another kind of rapey guy, so. I, it's it's like he doesn't have many ideas to write in compelling villains outside of maybe Kayaba, the first villain. And again, that's the only part of the first season that is kind of enjoyable. And he wasn't really so, yeah. a villain either. Like he was just trying to like get a well, point across about his you know, using the game to do it too, and he's like, Yeah, some people are gonna die, but when you figure it out, it's gonna blow your fucking mind. Yeah, they hint at this sort of bigger thing going on, but I mean until I get more of the details, point is he did kill thousands of people, so I'm still gonna I'm still gonna hold on the yeah he's probably a bad guy. I consider him villainous. If 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 anything, like maybe he's a villain that has some relatable motives, but he still killed a lot of people. Um, without giving us much explanation, because when Kirito's like, "Why did you do this?" I don't really remember myself. It's like, oh for fuck's sake. Hopefully we'll get an answer one day. But by the in this game, raised by this game, you merely played it. Yeah, and the thing is, by the time we get the answers, I'm wondering if people enough people will care about the series by that point to really care about the answer he'll give, you know, as to why this all happened. So, and then the other one I'll quickly uh, plug in would be if I was to pick a shonen show similarly to you, I would put in Bleach personally. Uh, I really fucking loved like the first I think sixty episodes <laughs> of Bleach, especially the Soul Society arc. It's when it was getting really cool where, you know, their swords transformed and you met all the Soul Reapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very interesting. It was compelling. It had so many twists in it and great character moments. And then there was the whole Bankai thing. You know, you really wanted to see the captains fighting and stuff. And that held you over for it. And then you just get things like 60 episodes of filler and just, like, just drawn out filler after filler that happens in that series. They got fucking butchered to hell with that. And just everything... It means that when you actually get to the fights that have slow moments where they're standing and talking to each other, you have even less patience because you're like, oh my god, this show feels like it's perpetually making me wait constantly. And, yeah, I just couldn't... I couldn't struggle through this. And I've struggled for a lot of long-ass anime. I'm still up to date on One Piece. So that tells you something that I can can struggle through. I think that's like an investment for you. Like, you don't stop watching One Piece because you stop, that's it. You're never going back. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's very true. If I, I mean, get, if at I this go, point, you might yeah. as well see it to the end. I'm in there for the long haul now. Let's, let's just see it through. Why not? I've got ten years left to go till he finds it. I'm sure. So it'll be something to keep in the background. But yeah, yeah, Bleach. I just couldn't do it. So that's one that fell out of favor for me. And that's it's a real shame given how much I really did. I really was invested. At it, I am happy they didn't go back to Bleach though. They weren't like, look, it's the adventures of Ichigo's kid with Rukia and whatever his fucking red hair. Oh God, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, kid. Yeah. They're going on their own adventures to fight, and they're going to see the kids of all the other protagonists that you you knew and love. Like, remember the other dude? He banged this chick. Surprising, I bet. Yeah, that would. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. Maybe it called it. It wasn't. It kind of petered out of popularity, so I bet they didn't really have the support to do that, even if he wanted to, but, you know. I hear he's coming back with a new manga. It'll be interesting when it does come out, if it hasn't come out already. Uh, but yeah, because he's a good artist, either otherwise. But yeah, he just maybe needs someone else to write for him. <laughs> so. 
you know, it should be like that guy who did Ice Shield who ended up doing the manga for One Punch Man, you know. He can really draw, but maybe he should just have someone write for him instead, because he can't, he doesn't seem to be, the writing doesn't seem to be his main interest. Mm. But yeah. Wait, same if I was to post now. Wait, do, does that mean that he's posted? Has, has, did, um... No, Black, Black Magic is just agreeing with Rampant, saying that they're both, like, they both list, like, Shonen series as, like, stuff you grew out of, which I can oh, yeah, agree yeah. with. A lot of, like, yeah, the Viz media yeah. stuff, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I decided to only say one, because I could list a bunch of Shonen shows. But Bleach sticks out to me, because I just really liked that at one point. But yeah, anyways, that gives it for my responses. Uh, and that does it for the community section, so we can we can move along when you're ready. Yes, into our industry news, which I got two, you got one, so I'll start us off here with a piece of news I know and hold dear to my heart, as all of you out there know. I love Fake Ground Order. Great game. Right now, yeah. it's actually going through a re uh, reusing of like one of the older events, which this one is the. This is when they introduced the big booby goddess, um, uh-huh. Mimato no Raiku, or something like that. Basically, um, I don't really care for her character models, like final form. She's got like these weird hair clips in her hair that make her look like a fucking bird, but. Um, mm-hmm. As personality-wise, she's, like, very much, like, um, like, oh, everyone, like, I'm the mother of everyone kind of thing, and, like, she treats people like children, and, like, call me Okasama, and just, like, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which uh-huh. I'm, uh, I'm all for, like, the Ada Ada type of character. Um, unfortunately for Fake Grand Order, the, uh, iOS version has fallen out of the popularity, and in a big way, so, uh... Yeah, it's grossed over 3 billion worldwide as of March 2019, but in uh, uh, this uh, very recently, back on uh, June the 2nd, the App Store has uh, it's fallen out of number one. It was number one and has fallen all the way to 59th place. Whoa, that's quite a decline. Yeah, yeah, between mm. May 26th and the, uh, the 2nd of June. It dropped all the way down from the first, all the way, from number one, top of the charts, which it's held for years, all the way down to 59th place. And the reason for this being that the sales are fluctuating due to the uh, whole game being basically done. Um, like, the, the storyline is completed, there's no furthering of the storyline. They keep adding in kind of like DLC or expansion packs, but it's not nearly as telling as a story as the main story was like we've already beat the big boss now we're just beating these other bosses who are showing up every now and then that are causing problems and you know and of course the events that they reuse and like oh new summer event uh, put out scantily clad waifu bait or oh a new a new christmas event put out a new santa character that kind of stuff and because it's not any real events going on right now the sales are dropping big time Ah, I see. Yeah. Is this the end? I don't think it's the end. I do think there's still a lot of players for Fake Grand Order. I definitely feel like it's become almost exhausting in a way. 
just where I kind of like feel like I'm beating my head against a wall when it comes to trying to live, you know, raising the level of characters. There's no story missions anymore, so you kind of just have to rinse and repeat using this, um, using the daily quest stuff, and that's really boring. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I agree with it. I see where it's coming from, but uh, mm -hmm. needless to say, Fake Grand Order may have expected this. Uh, Aniplex may have seen this coming, and they're probably just like, eh, you know, we got $3 billion worldwide so far. We can use a little bit of that money to make something new. Possibly. They may be investing in some sequel or something. Could or... be. Could be a sequel. Yeah. There are those animes coming out, which are... You know, probably bring back some hype for Fake Grand Order, but until then, mm. that's yes. uh, yeah. Whatever that it results in, whether it makes a new game or it just slowly declines, I guess you could say it was just an act of fate. Ha ha ha! Terrible. Thank Super you. Super comedy. Ah, yes. I'm I'm here all night, folks. <laughs> Anyways, literally. Uh yeah, literally. Apparently, I I, I never leave. Anyways. So, uh, moving on? Yes, yes. Okay. Well, you know, from reporting stuff on the anime industry in terms of, you know, controversies and stuff, and it kind of sometimes feels like it's going doom and gloom in terms of how um, anime at large is in a, in a state of constant attack from media a lot of the time. And, you know, more recently there was one from the UN, the UN committees um, on the right of the child proposal for optional protocol to the Convention of Human Rights Child Draft from February 2019. That was that. Where basically they, they basically lollies and uh, shotas were under attack because depictions of underage kids even fictional were seen as to be too gratuitous for the UN and they were going to try and draft things to kind of maybe no actually it wasn't going to be law but it would be something like a guideline that governments could uh, put into practice if they wanted to Mm -hmm. uh, in in terms of when it comes to to anime and what it can present, I think it's just fiction in general. To be fair, but it would definitely encompass anime. And you even got companies like Twitter and um, was it? I think it's Twitter. I can't remember. Maybe Facebook as well. Already sort of seeming to kind of act in this sort of uh, you know taking initiative on the matter where like they banned lollies and stuff from Twitter as well completely. Um, but what's very interesting about this is that countries have actually responded to this. And it's kind of interesting which countries did as well, to some degree, um, and basically rejected the whole notion of it. Um, so you got the US wrote a letter to them on the 6th of May. It agrees with a lot of things that was actually said in it. You can actually read the... In, in the case of this article, you can actually read the full statements from each country if you want. Um, they've got links to them. But basically they said that, you know, However, visual depictions, CGI, anime, etc., where there is not a real child are typically protected by the First Amendment unless visual depictions are obscene. Uh, and the United States obligations under the ICCPR, we suggest editing the paragraph as follows. So basically a lot of the countries, and this includes Japan, uh, United States, Austria, um, spoke out against it, basically saying that it was, you know, it's ridiculous that the paragraph was labelling, you know, the fictional depiction of of children and stuff to be child porn and everything because again it's again they they, they were basically airing on the side of free speech expression what have you in a time where it almost feels like that stuff is sort of kind of under attack constantly so it's it's kind of it's kind of uplifting to an extent to, to say that here because um yeah um 
there is also that just that constant threat that keeps on happening, you know, when it comes to art. Because, yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, it, they aren't real. So you really shouldn't be... And if it's not hurting anybody. Also, there were studies that kind of went along with this to show that there was no direct correlation between people who were into lollies and stuff and actual child predators. So, again, you you would also need to kind of back it up with proof in order to actually get people convinced. But actually, nowadays, nowadays you can, in fact, <laughs> convince people without proof. So what the hell am I saying? Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, not, I don't know what I'm specifically talking about. So yeah, um, it's it's a unusual um moment of um rationality being injected back into the world for just a split second to see <laughs> anime being kind of protected by these countries. So that's really good to hear. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see. I don't think the UK said anything. So that's <laughs> disappointing for me as a UK citizen. But you know. If somebody does find out that they said anything, then USA, USA, you yeah, yeah, it, it repeatedly <laughs> feels that way. <laughs> Honestly, he's uh, one nothing us a lot of the times. From what I can all tell, right, we're we're good. saving your ass. Don't worry about it. Nothing to fret about. God damn. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> God. Um, I I won't go into too much detail about it, but it honestly, it feels sometimes like we're going nuts because like. Uh, recently, Trump had a visit over to the UK. And, oh uh, yeah, I saw that. The baby Trumps and the toilet Trump stuff. Like, goddamn. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm not gonna go too political on this. And actually, mention my opinion on it, but I just feel, think like, oh, I there's a lot of things I feel embarrassed about, and people are lo- lost their minds <laughs> over this. But yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. So yeah, bit more sanity. Um, who knows if what the UN will do there after receiving more than 300 comments about their draft, um, whether they'll double down on this or they'll maybe, you know, uh, back away. Uh, hopefully this will actually mean that they'll, you know, I hope that they're going to stop with the constant pushing against anime and comic books, but, you know, never, never feel too overconfident and even in victory. So there you go. So, yeah, some good news. All right. <clears throat> interesting. Very interesting. Well, uh, <clears throat> it's been a while since we've had a poll, so uh, I went yep. and uh, got one of our more one of the more recent ones that's come out, uh, which uh, Charpedia released, and it is the top twenty gourmet anime and manga, with the uh, no, top five of them actually kind of surprising order, um, especially considering like some of the anime that I know that relate to like food are way down on the chart. So, uh, since we got the time, let's go all the way number 20. We got Wakako Zake, which, never heard of. Don't know if you've ever heard of it. Nope, never heard of it. Got number 19, Silver Spoon, which is an Ichigo favorite. Surprising, all the way Uh down at 19. Uh Uh, Number 18, What Did You Eat Yesterday? Another manga never heard of. Uh, Number 17, Miss... Kozumi Loves Ramen Noodles, which is a manga, which I think I've heard of, but I've never seen. Okay. Uh, number 16 is uh, Yakitata, uh, which, again, never heard of. Uh, <laughs> number 15, Isekai Zakia, Japanese food from another world. Yeah, oh, got- I've seen this one. Yeah, I, I think I've <laughs> seen that like, one yeah. as well. That's yeah. uh, one of those isekai food animes. Number 14 is uh, Kakariyo, Bed and Breakfast for Spirits. Never heard of that one before. At number oh. 13, 
Tagashi Kashi. That's that uh, snack snack one, which I'm actually a fan of. I do enjoy it. Uh, number 12, Yumoro Pastier. Uh, mm. Cafe anime. Number 11, Kodoku no Gourmet. Uh-huh. Never heard of that one. Number 10, Cooking Papa. I've heard of that one. Never seen it. Right. Uh, number 9, Toriko, which is... Oh, hey, uh, that was a pretty good one. Fist yeah. of the North... Uh, North uh, Sandwich, if I remember correctly. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> in terms of its art stuff, yeah. Yeah, uh, number eight, Cooking Master Boy. Never heard of that one. Uh, number seven, Sweetness and Lightning. Sounds like Yuri on on ice cream. Uh, <laughs> number six, Mr. Ajiko. Ad- Ajiko? Never yeah, heard of that one. I think so. Nope. Uh, and then number five. There's one I've never heard of at all. Happy cooking graffiti. Huh. Yeah. yeah no. Oh yeah. But number five. Another one I haven't heard of. At number four, Oshibo. Oshinbo. Oshinbo. Yeah. Oshinbo. Uh, yeah. Never heard of that one. Number three. Oh, finally. Oshinbo. Yeah. Finally, one I've heard of, and actually one you've recommended I take a look at since I like Shokugeki so much. Uh, it's a today's menu for Emiya family. Uh-huh. Which, uh, it's apparently surprisingly good for, like, a nice recipe-themed anime, which, you know, I've always been about. Um, yeah. And number two, we got Food Wars Shokugeki no Soma. You know, kind of, I expected that to be number one with all the food gasms, but, eh, you know, I, I get it. Later seasons have definitely developed, you know, you know, gone away from, like, oh, this is all about the food and more about, like, the food gasms and the story behind the food. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, here's some interesting facts about the meat they're currently using. And here's a meal. And she eats it. And she orgasms. Moving on. Uh, Hashtag Irina's dad did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we're dealing with her mother, too. What is with her family? Oh, yeah, the father who's there, terrible. Yeah. Oh, in the manga right now, they're dealing with the mom. And the mom's just like... Yeah. She's up there as well, and show and Soma's had to have been like, your fucking family, god damn it. I had to defeat your father, and now I have to kick your mom's ass? Fucking, and, wow. oh, we finally talked about Soma's mom recently, which is pretty cool. Learned more oh, about yeah. her. Haven't learned whether she's fucking dead or not, but, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she was introduced. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, apparently that's where Soma got his, uh, his terrible yes. cooking habits from. Not from his father, uh-huh. from his mother. Right. And, uh, and number one, this is actually one that you've seen and I haven't. Again, it's a restaurant to another world. Yeah. Uh, very different. <laughs> it's very laid back show. Is it more about the food? Like uh, more so than Shokugeki? Is it more about like being an isekai anime? It's half and half. I mean, like, half of it's, like, the scenario of the people from the... Because it's going to be a bunch of different worlds, and then they all... F- they, they find a door that takes them to this restaurant where they all come together, basically. And right. he is has a perfect one... dish. And he makes a perfect dish for their situation that they'll like, basically. Is that the so. one where, like, it's, like, this is a no-fighting area, and if you fight, the chef comes out and, like, cuts your dick off kind of thing? 
I'm not sure about that because nobody has actually tried. It's it's one of those shows where nobody has tried to be that violent in the restaurant. The only it seems like the restaurant only appears when you have a certain need for it, like if you're starving and like oh. you're in a situation. I think so the other special. one I was thinking of was reviewed by Tim and Walthall. They talked about there was like a cafe that was like on the battlefield and people would like go to the cafe and they're like, all right, this is neutral zone. You try to fight here, the chef's going to come out and kick your ass. Kind of kind of reminds me of like that place in, um, in John Wick where all the assassins meet up and if you kick off there, then you get assassinated yourself. Yep. If, uh, yeah. John Wick, the most recent one. Haven't seen it, but... Ah. Uh, uh. Yeah, I, w- I need to catch up. I haven't watched two. Yet, that was pretty so cool though, where like he kills the guy in the last movie, where he's like, "I kill," you know, kills him right there, just like, "Ha, ah, you can't kill me." And he's just like, "Blat," and the guy's like, "What the? F- what did you do? What did you do?" <laughs> there may be some things that John Wick can't do, but killing is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, don't yeah. know much about Restaurant to Another World. Uh, maybe I'll give it a try since it's ranked yeah. above Shokugeki according to Charpedia, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. I also plan on finishing it as well. Uh, if if we do around a similar time, maybe we can do a joint one. We'll see. Maybe. Depend- yeah, depending on when you finish it or whatever. And I do believe that uh, does it for our industry news. Wraps us up there. In which case, Indeed. we can move on to our Reviews. Yes. And uh, I've been going a lot first lately, so how about you start us off with something? Fair enough. Okay, sure. Um, so, uh, my one today will be Toaru Majutsu no Indexu, or... A Certain Magical Index, which is the first adaptation of Kazuma Tamachi's light novel franchise, all taking place in the same world, and starting with a certain at the beginning of their titles. So there's like a certain scientific, a certain magical, etc. It stars Kamijo Toma, although I wish it didn't, and the titular English nun Index, who is really important despite being present for around 30% of the show. The setting, the most interesting part of the, sh- of the show, is a world where supernatural powers exist in two forms. There's the religious magical inspecto of Adakadabra type used by sorcerers, and then there's the superhero X-Men science fiction sort of powers used by espers. While the bulk of this takes place in Academy City, which, continuing the analogy from earlier, functions as a large Xavier school for studying the second type of phenomena as it manifests in use in youths, and the overarching narrative involves a collision between the magical and scientific worlds. Toma's right hand has the mysterious Imagine Breaker ability, which is capable of neutralizing both magic and science powers alike on contact, and it's up to him to protect Index, whose brain contains around 130,000 grimoires from falling into the wrong hands. So she's basically like a nuclear bomb in her head that if the wrong person gets it, they can detonate it. So... While the series is 24 episodes long, it contains six story arcs of varying length, so there's certainly a lot of content here, I guess. The first one is all about Index's tragic background and how Toma enters the picture, and it's probably what I'd consider to be the fur best of the bunch, as it does have some good character moments that at times conveys a good dynamic between the two mains before it eventually devolves in later arcs. Unfortunately, it does suffer from the problem that I 
feel persists in the entire series where characters just kind of talk and argue with each other all the time. And it's intermixed with some good action at times, but it just feels like pointless fluff. Like, a lot. I know this is based off a light novel series, but a little bit more showing instead of telling would have been appreciated. Heck, the opposite is kind of true when it comes to the lore. Facts about magic, about the magic world are just kind of spat at you and dotted here and there, and none of it really sinks in. I, I don't feel like it, all of it connected to the point where if someone were to quiz me on the various churches and religious sects or how all the different types of magic work in the series, I would generally struggle, and I've, I've watched this series twice, three times if you consider the um, third time where I watched it at double speed for this review. This results in this weird feeling after each episode where I feel like it went pretty fast, but looking back it's hard to remember details or if much happened at all. So I end up wondering what exactly was accomplished and oftentimes not really enough to feel justified. But yeah, that's, that's the first section. Arc 2 is about the Shrine Maiden with blood that kills vampires, the show gets kind of weird, and an alchemist who can manipulate reality, kind of. Again, this one falls into the category of bloated, uh, with an amazing amount of dialogue and not the charming bakemono bantery sort of exposition, but just exposition on details that I'm not sure matter that much past this arc. The villain's power though is kind of interesting and the way Toma manages to beat him is actually quite clever though and demonstrates some of the potential the show had um, to have clever fights if um, before it again devolves into Toma is big strong man, smash everyone with fist. <laughs> which happens kind of later on. The next arc is my favourite of the season and involves a powerful esp- the most powerful esper in the Academy City as well as what appear to be clones of Mikoto Misaka, the third strongest esper. While the climax has the odd goofy moment to it, I honestly have less complaints about this one. The mystery and the plot make sense, though it does fall into the Toma Smash thing I was criticising earlier. The next arc kind of sucks, though its mystery is pretty compelling as it plays around with the expectations given that Toma loses his memories early on in the series, so it, he's kind of seeing things for the first time, just like us, when it comes to meeting his parents and relatives. The magic stuff is just kind of meh as usual, and I'd honestly struggle again to explain the details beyond the general plot of uh, plot points of ritual bad, must stop ritual. Uh, arc 5 again, pretty decent because it has a follow-up to my favourite one about the strongest esper called Accelerator, with the appearance of yet another Misaka clone, except this time it's a lolly. It's pretty short, but to the point and again makes sense. It is at this point that it really seems like the best arcs of this show are the ones that spend less time on the magic stuff, but also less focus on Toma, or in this case, not feature him at all. But maybe the writer partially realised things were going off course a bit because despite the show being called Index, she doesn't really play much of a heavy role in this past the first two arcs. Uh, so to appease the people who maybe notice that as well, the last arc is more focused on her again as she makes a friend in the form of this mysterious academy school student who is like simultaneously top ranked but also not known by anyone, so that's the mystery. It took all the way to the end, but this does seem to be the arc where actually that actually ties the magic and the science things into the same arc together. It's better than some of the other magic-focused ones, and it's nice to see Index not just being present, but actually participating in action for a change. It's not terrible, but not all that memorable in terms of detail, which is, again, par for the course. So that's the rough synopsis of what you're going to get when you watch this show. And so how was it really? Well... 
it's not as bad as I actually remember, especially when I consider the later seasons of this show. Um, you know, I, I also have to give it some leeway because, yeah, I'm going to go into it a little bit later, but it's, it's one of the older ones too. Um, but, you know, pros and cons. Main character is kind of disappointing. Toma's memory wipe. Um, it really comes in and out of plot relevance when it needs to be. And it's they never go into detail of how much exactly he doesn't remember or does remember. Because he does seem to keep a ridiculous amount of, like, like memory where, it's, where it would really, like... It would suck if he didn't have it. But then at other points, he's... Apparently, he's, his brain's completely been wiped. But, you know... He remembers language, he remembers kind of his school, he remembers his grades, you know, all that sort of stuff. He, it's almost like his school education wasn't wiped completely out of his mind, because otherwise he'd be declining much further. But, you know, that's the thing about Toma. And the thing is, is they, the show tries to sell him as this kind of underdog, as well as, like, this guy who's, like, you know, he's just a normal guy, like me and me. But, like, it's they're kind of doing that while simultaneously playing him as, like, the overpowered chosen one, because, you know, he has the most fucking ridiculous arm that can just stop everything. But not just that, he can defeat most people with one punch. He actually does... I had a joke going on with one of my friends watching this show where it's like, it feels, because of his hair colour as well and its spikiness, it does feel like this is like Saitama's younger self before he was trying to find a job. You know, because of his rotten luck, he couldn't find a job. And then he just, you know... But he has this amazing ability to knock out people with one punch. And yet again, the show has him running away from thugs at the very beginning. But he's so overpowered, at, at sometimes physically, that it feels like... I, I feel like he could almost take on a whole crowd of people, honestly, but that's... It was just his fists. But then it also makes you question, you know, like the fights are simultaneously smart, but you also think, how come nobody is ever like just thinking about taking Toma out with any other means that doesn't require, you know, <clears throat> directly hitting his arm? There's so many ways you could probably go at him. A conventional weapon like a gun would probably do the trick, you know, but we have to go after him with our big magic spell attacks, which he can just block anyway, you know. I, I, that's, that's, I suppose, more of a nitpick, but at the same time, it is, it's, it is constantly in my mind about how he's simultaneously supposed to be vulnerable to have a tense, to have a sense of tension to the fights, but he's also simultaneously, like, either very lucky or overpowered as fuck, especially physically. And I accidentally pressed the back button and went away from my review. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and his relationship again with, with, with uh, Index is just everyone else kind of comes across mostly kind of bland there are a few key features like I think I like how Accelerator develops as the show goes on um, he doesn't just come off as like a black and white like evil villain and the other shows like attempts to do that at multiple points usually fail but he's one of the ones that they did manage to like make him into kind of a more interesting character after being an antagonist uh, again Index has a good dynamic with Toma but then it later on just becomes like she wants food she doesn't get food, she gets jealous, she bites Toma, and Toma, like, says, ah, my rotten luck! And, you know, those rotten luck moments, they might as well be accompanied by, like, an 80s sitcom laugh track and theme. It's because it, it feels very gaggy when he does that. And the show juggles, um, like, generic anime gags, along with being, like, serious and deep at times and trying to have like this big, deep lore and serious stuff going on. So, and it kind of goes together as well as oil and water. Um... But yeah, um, so it's it's a well presented show though. I do feel like the dialogue could use a redraft, um, it, to make it more neat and tidy. But the show is actually well animated, especially when you consider it is actually ten. This point, it's ten years old now. So, you know, 
I give it some leeway there. It actually looks... It's aged quite well on rewatch. I do think pre- presentation-wise, they got better with more series as it did in terms of animation and colours and stuff because it the overall tone and colour spread of the show feels a bit neutral and bland. But it does have a nice, heavy sense of atmosphere with its lighting. So I do like that. I like the way it is presented. And there's a lot of potential here. So... For a show that says a lot, I do feel like I didn't learn a lot when it comes to magic in the end. It's just a way of getting from A to B when it comes to this. But Index is a... uh, Actually, it's franchise. Index is a franchise. I mean, the certain magical franchise is full of interesting concepts in a pretty interesting world. But it kind of misses the mark on how to present it a lot of the times is the way I would take away from this. Again, you could do a lot worse with this sort of show. Um... But it could have been way better. And I, this kind of extends to, like, the other work that was also adapted by JC Staff. I think it's JC Staff. Yeah, JC Staff, who did the this anime. Uh, they've also made Toradora. Um, the other anime that's by the same author is Heavy Object. That was another show I think had potential, but I feel like the writer just... I don't know. I don't know about this writer, honestly. He has good ideas, but it feels like it needs a redraft all the time. But yeah, JC Staff did Heavy Object, his other written piece. They actually did do Shokugeki no Soma. We talked about that earlier on. And mm-hmm. I suppose of most recent significance, uh, JC staff are currently doing the current running series of One Punch Man. So, there's that. But yeah, that's pretty much all I gotta say about a certain magical index. I enjoyed it, but I think it could have been a lot better. And yes, I've got as much problems with it as I do things I like about it. But the stuff that's in there works. It's just, missed potential is how I would probably describe it. And it's, I'm going to be much less lenient when it comes to the later series of this show. So I'm pulling my punches a bit here, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'll give this one a honorary Netflix. Because it's oh, Netflix. not as good as... Well, yeah. Because it's not as good as the Crackers, but I'm not going to be so close to give it a burn it. It's, it's not that bad. I mean, well, what what were you? You sounded surprised though. Did you expect me to give it like? Yeah, I thought it'd be at least a crackers since uh, this is one of your like higher talking point animes where we always talk about like how many times Toma punches a woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it that's less prevalent in this series as it is in season two. Oh my god, the fucking movie, Jesus Christ! But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that his his woman punching hasn't happened so frequently in this one. I think he punches one. Yeah, he only punches one in this film. In this series, I mean. Um, so a lot of those main tropes hadn't come together yet, but... Um, yeah, no, it's it's one of those... I, I talk about in Index a lot, but in the sense where I'm always... It's because I'm always conflicted about it, and I'm trying to come up with... Try to really sort out my feelings with it, but I do think it's a Netflix. It's not something I could recommend as, oh man, I, I'd watch this repeatedly because I really want to. It's more like a study for me. But yeah, I do think I can probably name all of like the hype moments I had for that first season on like one hand where definitely like the first battle where I can't find any. I don't know why people don't reference it more, but where Toma is fighting against Index when she loses control and like all of her oh, right, yeah. are like controlling her or like the yeah. church defense mechanisms going off. And she basically calls on like a giant fucking like laser satellite to you know, shoot down upon him, and he's, like, using his hand to fight it off while the one church dude and the other church girl are, like, hanging out in the background, like, holy fuck, what is he doing? How is he doing this? And then 
like he's able to resist it all but then you know she calls forth like the most powerful attack which is the feathers that fall down and everyone's like oh fuck and then he touches one and that's game over for him it touches him in the head i think it's the yep. reason for his mind wipe, which right? is the reason yeah. why like you know he's supposedly loses his memories and then he's like haha i didn't lose my memories i just touched my head where the thing touched me and i was better and it's like nope you're not um yeah the redemption arc for accelerator i definitely agree with where accelerator bad guy at first love to see him get his face punched in you know very satisfying but then like he turns around he's like this lolly needs my help god damn it fucking fine i'll help you stupid lolly and then the Mm -hmm. lolly's like i'm gonna hang out with you forever now and he's like fuck my life Mm -hmm. and they go more in depth with that too that he does get some good progression because they do you know, they wrap up the circumstances of, you know, why he was doing what he was doing, not to spoil anything in that arc where he was fighting those Misaka clones. And it does make him a lot more sympathetic when you, you know, get his backstory and see why he was in that situation to begin with. Uh, they do kind of, like, they kind of um, overplay the sympathy card a bit more when they do a retell of that series, of that scene, because they do a redo of it in Real Gun Season 2. Um, and they kind of make it seem like, oh, he was just lonely and had no friends. I'm like, oh, I don't know if you want to go that far. I don't know if you want to go that far, but yeah. Yeah. But. And any also any time where like so or Soma, where uh, it's not Soma, it's uh, Toma. Toma, thank you. Or Toma, at, you know, just inadvertently touches someone or, you know, just like on accident, just like goes, hey, sh- shake someone's hand. And all of a sudden it's like he dispels their magic protective barrier. And it's like, oops. Sorry, like, yeah. the, like the yeah. I don't even think it was the first season. I can the first one comes to mind, but like the busty blonde-haired chick who had like the spell that was placed upon her to protect her, and he just like shakes her hand at one point and breaks a spell, and you know he's confused like, what the fuck did I just break? And she's like, what the fuck did you just break? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like anytime he does that as well, just like where he like he touched indexes clothing she's like haha your thing will have no effect upon him he's just like really oh, i destroyed your your outfit sorry about that and then she has to wear the whole thing with the giant oversized dumb fucking button or uh a pin and it's like oh my yeah God. for her walking does it even still outfit. work anymore it doesn't work it anymore doesn't, right because he broke work. the it spell upon it yeah it doesn't work and that's evidence because um the samurai lady ends up cutting up um Index and she gets really injured. In fact, the whole reason she's injured is because she gets attacked by that a samurai lady. And the samurai lady didn't mean to hurt her that much. She thought that she was protected by that walking church, but it's because Toma dispelled it with his hand that it doesn't work to protect her anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think that's like yeah. all of I can name. But I, for yeah. the most part, yeah, I agree with you. I'm just surprised yeah. it was so low for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's like a middle-of-the-road Netflix. Not a bad Netflix, not a great Netflix, just middle-of-the-road. Which is fine, because it has just as many bad things with it. Like The me- the, mind- the mind-wipe thing's a big problem for me, personally. Where It's now suddenly becoming significant again in part three, by the way. The whole fact that Toma's mind-wiped. But hmm. it it it's the payoff isn't good, by the way. It's, it's It just feels like a way to add extra drama. Anyways, but I'm, I'm going on at this point. Well... You know, speaking of things I often complain about, how about I do my uh, review here of Domestic Nakano Joe? Ooh. Yes, you see, uh, <clears throat> I do often complain about how in a romance anime the couples never get it on. 
The relationship blooms and sparks fly, but not once do we ever hear about them bumping uglies. And I get it. Most of the rom-coms I watch are centered around high school students, and it would be totally wrong for teenage kids to have sex. I mean, come on, no one does that. Sarcasm aside, I decided to venture outside my comfort zone to find something with a bit more ranch sauce on it. My searching landed me on the doorstep of Domestic Nakanojo, a drama-riddled romance all about dealing with a very particular and peculiar situation revolving around sex and love. The anime begins with two people having sex. Yes, that's right. Straight away we've already broken the streak and have had penetration. The couple doing it are total strangers, having only just met at a group date, but the girl, whose name is Rudy, prompted the boy, Natsuo, with question of if he'd be down to pound. Now, unlike many a male protagonist in anime in this situation, including harems, Natsuo accepts, and the two lose their V-cards together. However, Rudy was only interested because she was curious as to what it felt like, and as soon as the magic was over, she leads the scene of the crime. Of course, Natsuo can't wait to tell his best friend and total bro, Fumiya, who immediately puts Natsuo in a headlock and reminds him that he has strong feelings for a certain teacher at his school, and that this action was a real forehead slapper. And while I do agree with Fumiya, at the end of the day, Natsuo still had sex. Mm. But that's not the drama I spoke of, you see. No, no. Things get a whole lot more complicated, and soon... You see, Natsuo's father announces that he's getting remarried, and just as suddenly also announces that he and Natsuo will be moving in with his new stepmother and her family. And guess just who happens to be the stepmother's two daughters? That's right! It's Ruri, Natsuo's first bang, and Hina, the high school teacher Natsuo has a crush on. Strap That's in, lads. Drama. It's about to get bumpy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not only is Natsuo not able to restrain himself from trying to kiss Hina while she is passed out drunk, he also can't seem to go over the fact that the first girl he slept with is now his stepsister. It's a subject brought up a lot by both parties involved, though Rudy doesn't seem to care one bit. The focus eventually shifts to center on the fact Hina is seeing a man who is already married. And the subject of affairs is a pretty touchy one for the stepmother, so you can probably guess that Rudy and Natsuo weren't too happy about this revelation. The person Hina is seeing is also kind of a douchebag, but shares a situation with Natsuo in that Hina was a student of his who fell in love with him back in high school. What a wow. twist. And you know, what goes well with a twist? A little garnish. Because outside of this family drama, we also have... More drama. You got Momo, the high school bicycle, who only sleeps around to try to fill the hole in her heart, though Natsuo is able to resist her, and makes her realize that she doesn't need to be slutty to be wanted. And you got Mui, who seems to be in the same situation as Natsuo and Hina, crushing on the literature club's instructor, but being far more shy about it. Everywhere you turn, there's some kind of drama happening. So needless to say, I was way outside my cozy box I shut myself into to avoid this kind of stuff. Mm. Thankfully, the drama was leagues different from the melodrama of rom-coms and harems, and more of an adult sense than the shit I'm usually accustomed to. The roller coaster really starts to twist and turn as Rudy re-ups her interest in Natsuo, just as Hina begins to accept Natsuo's feelings for her. 
Rotary catches Natsuo with Hina, Hina catches Natsuo with Rotary, and the whole time Natsuo is using this drama to fuel his creative juices and produce a book that lands him an award and opportunities to follow the dream he has to be an author. Good on him. Things don't quite end so smoothly, though, as Natsu and Hina get caught by the school, and Hina takes a very sudden departure from the school and her family. This is a real departure. She actually is gone, not even connecting Natsuo or contacting Natsuo via phone. It actually came of a bit as a shock to me. Wow. But what came as more of a shock was a theory I came up with afterwards. That was my Whoa. phone. Yes. Okay. I thought, I thought you planned in a sound effect with your theory or something. Nope. <laughs> that was my phone giving me a dramatic pause. You see, uh, <laughs> the reason Natsuo and Hina got caught was because someone got a picture of them in their hotel room making out. And this had me thinking. The picture is very centered on two of them and not focused on all the festivities going on nearby. This felt like it was obviously taken by someone looking for it. And guess who was the least reactionary of the bunch to Hina's departure? That's right. It was Rudy. But there's no real evidence that she was the photo taker, just conjecture on my part. Right, right. Her lack of reaction to Hina leaving, as well as the fact that later on she's caught by Natsuo dressing up just like Hina to shock a very lonely Natsuo. And right at the end where Rudy returns to going on the attack and pushes down Natsuo, telling him she's no longer holding back on account of her sister. I mean, come on, she has to be the one who did it. She wanted Natsuo all to herself and let a little yandere grow inside her. Hmm. This might honestly not even be true in the slightest, but I can dream, damn it. Now, uh... Animation was uh, provided by Doi Media, same studio behind works like Aho Girl, uh, Honda-kun, and uh, Mando uh, Dachi Tachi ga Isekai Karu Koroso Dasuyo, where the ones who did the work here, you know, say what you will about their selection in animation, cough, Komodo no Chikan, cough, but this is a studio with quality work. Here the animation helped convey the feelings of envy, disgust, and lust rather well. Uh, for the voice acting, everyone here, besides a few you know, supporting characters, did come from a very long list of acting roles, so yeah, very talented pool of people, making the emotions all that more believable. Hmm. And as for my favorite character, while I didn't mention him a whole bunch, I'm giving this one to Natsuo's best friend and total bro, Fumia. This chubby buddy beats sense into Natsuo time and time again whenever he's down or lost. He helps Natsuo with both his creation and combat of drama. He works at a cafe that seems to be a magnet for love trouble, though Fumia himself does not have a girlfriend. Although I kind of wish he did, and just surprised everyone casually introducing a banging hot girl with brains that he's been in a steady relationship with for years. It's like mm. something that this relationship that all these other parties should be striving for. Right. But, you know, there goes my headcanon again. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually going to be giving Domestic Nakanojo a Crackers. Nice. Crackers, huh? Yeah, Crackers. It, uh, it was surprisingly good for as much drama as I had to endure. 
Um, but yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely could put up with it. I don't know if I could put up with another season, just because I was like, oh, you know, I want to see if my theories were correct. I'm not gonna say they were correct, right. but I'm gonna say they weren't correct. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I see. I yeah. should have a look at. Uh, okay. I wish some of, at least some of my theories were true, but unfortunately. Ake is really heavy-handed with the drama, and it keeps going back and forth, back and forth, and uh, I'm gonna skip it if it does another season. I'm happy with where it ended. Little right, sis, right. little Sep's sister's like, I'm gonna fuck you now. Older Sep's sister is gone and left the picture entirely. The mother and father is completely oblivious, and things are happy as, as can be. The end. Right. Yeah, crackers. Yeah. Cool. Fair enough. Uh -huh. And with that, we are done with our reviews for this episode. But uh, before we go, we got our people to thank. Which yes, we I do. do believe it's Tag, Algazero, V, Should G, Phantom, and Tentatively Mal. Yes, that's it. All six. Oh, and of course, all of our anonymous sponsors. We won't forget about you. Yes, of course. Thank you as well. And until next time, as always, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong.